What's up, everyone? I'm Anthony Cool Guy Morrow. <laughs> and I'm Harley Silvaca. I hate that you get a nickname already, and I don't. That's so not fair. We'll talk about that after. Listen. Uh, and this is Boom Direct, uh, a show where we discuss our biggest hits and the insides of the comic book industry, first look announcements, exclusive interviews, favorite comic book careers, all the fun, juicy comic book stuff that's happening at Boom and all over comics. Yeah, so uh, hopefully you have listened to and or watched our first couple of episodes and... Uh, if you have, that makes sense that you'd come back to listen to this one as well. So, you know, keep doing that. We, we appreciate it. Please support the show. Does it make um, sense, though? And that yeah. they keep wanting to listen to us? <laughs> listen, I think here's this. Um, excuse me. CBR said that we are engaging to listen to or something they did. like that. Actually. Oh, my God. So, yo, we should quote the cool stuff that has been said about us so far. Oh my oh god. god! I'm so unprepared for this. Hold Let's on. Let's pull it up. Also, I'm, I'm going to talk while you do that. I'm going to talk about the cool guy stuff. I'm also going to pull up another one. But um, <laughs> so uh, if you have watched the extended preview episode, um, at one point, just in the background, up in the upper left corner, where it shows Anthony talking, it just says "cool guy." And listen, when we reviewed it, I saw it immediately, and I was like, "Hey, what? What's that?" <laughs> I don't have one of those. Meanwhile, Anthony and like Philip and Ryan did not even notice it. But it's because uh, Anthony no. has like made besties with our editor and he gives him special treatment. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Hey, Mike, <laughs> you're the real one. Love you. Um, OK, good. A great quote from CBR as I skimmed through this really quickly. In candid, unscripted moments, the chemistry sparks and the interaction between them flows organically. The them in that sentence being uh, hardly yes, us. So, you know. Us. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. want to say some cool things. Also, we had a great um, interview with Fanbase Press, which y'all should go take a look at. Um, also, my, my good friend Hector Navarro gave us some really great feedback. So I'm just going to read his feedback because <laughs> he's oh, the best. Yeah. Um he said that we were genuinely endearing. Um, and he said that this podcast is so different, but feels really comforting and cozy. I love it. It kind of feels like home. That's I know, so sweet. Hector is the best. That's so sweet. Also, go check out Hector Navarro's show, Heroes yes. Reforged, on YouTube. It Follow is him everywhere. It's great to see uh, Latinos in the entertainment industry coming together and putting out cool content. So shout out to that whole team yeah, over there. Because they're the best. Hector is the best. Um, Hector's awesome. Yeah. Um, also, if you're listening to the show, please, if you have a friend uh, who's into comics and who you think would like this, uh, just just uh, play this for them or or suggest our show to them. That's that's the easy low lift thing we're asking you to do this week is just tell one person about yeah. us, uh, and that'd be super cool if you did. Yeah. So make sure you follow us too uh, on your podcast app, YouTube, social media, because obviously we do have full length episodes on podcast aka podcast form i don't know why i said on podcast um, and then also uh video chunks just a little bit of the juicy bit on youtube um but let's get out of business let's get out of business let's do it um let uh yeah so we have some cool new updates uh just kind of reiterating old news and uh let's get into it so Last month, last month being not May, but April. So I guess technically two months ago. <laughs> um, listen, listen, 
a little peek behind the curtain. We record this this section of the show early. Uh, also, time so is irrelevant. Got to do a little time bit. Is, of, time, time doesn't is matter. It's not real. Yeah, but uh, this is you're listening to Anthony in real time do some really quick brain math. Um, anyway, back in April, we announced the start of a brand new story event in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series with Darkest Hour, starting with issue 111 out in August. In my April, I actually do mean May. I was right the first. You were. Time. I didn't want to. I didn't want to correct you in front of everybody listening to this podcast. So it's clearly a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> We also announced the continuation of Greg Pak and Takeshi Miyazawa's Met Cadets, uh, which will hit shelves the day before the animated Netflix series begins streaming on August 10th. And let me tell you, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this series. It's so good. It's so good. It is very good. Uh, I I got to watch the first few episodes yeah. and uh, 10 I watched. Out of 10. I watched seven. Um, so yeah. good. So good. It's good. It's genuinely really good. It makes me, it gives me all the feels. Um, like, let me tell you, there's porn sets, like an emotional roller coaster for sure. And the animation's awesome so too. Beautiful. Like, genuinely. Um, I always have issues with like uh, 3D animated shows just because I grew up watching like hand drawn 2D animation. But like the art style for this and for a handful of other shows too and other, other animated movies, which I'm not going to get into because, you know, who cares? Um, the artistic approach is on point, mm-hmm. and I love it. Power Rangers is also celebrating the month of August with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 30th anniversary special, which collects five new short stories and two previously published ones and an oversized one shot, including a short story written by Amy Jo Johnson, the original Power- Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink <laughs> Ranger, and uh, her writing partner, Matt Hodson as a prelude to Amy's upcoming Power Rangers miniseries. <gasps> okay, so hopefully everyone just got really, really excited. I did. I'm excited. I'm so stoked. stoked. It's going to be awesome. Uh, plus the start of a new Buffy the Last Vampire series, which I love the first Buffy the Last Vampire series. It's very like Sarah Connor Terminator vibes. So excited for another one. Uh, we are also doing a special pen and ink reprint of the Mini Deaths of Layla Star number one. Yes. Awesome. Which, by the way, Mini Deaths of Layla Star is one of the best selling comics that we have at Boom. So pick it up. Uh, and we have a new Magic the Gathering one shot, Magic Planeswalkers Notorious. Uh, Boom Studios will also be at San Diego Comic-Con next month, so be sure to check out our social media to stay up to date on all the cool and as-of-yet unannounced stuff we will be doing over the course of that weekend. Let me tell you, <laughs> it is a lot of very cool stuff. Um, we we have some some sweet surprises for y'all uh, for that Including weekend. Including me and Anthony being there. I guess it's not a surprise, Including. Though. Yeah, it, we're we're kind of expected to be there at this point, just outside the scope of Boom Direct and just the scope of our normal, you know, day to day jobs. We're we do for jobs. Boom. Uh, we're, we're both expected to be yeah, there. Yeah. So if, again, if you, I think we said this in our our first episode, but if you if you want to meet myself or Anthony, uh, I usually don't. I I like to stay. I like to stay at the Boom Booth. A lot of the time, I'm not going to lie, just because I like to make sure everything is good and people who are coming feel great about their experience at our booth. But yeah, we'll be there. You can come find us. Um, If you haven't seen what we look like, go follow us on our socials or like watch the video so you can easily recognize us. I'm just very gingery. I'm just very gingery. So that's me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we also have another successful Boom Direct Reserve campaign for the Hunt of the Skinwalker graphic novel adaptation happening here at Boom Studios. The campaign closes in a week from today, so be sure to check out if you're a fan of the True Paranormal series um, or the weird happenings of Skinwalker Ranch. Dude, have you, like, I... you know about Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah. Yeah, I so yes, yes I do actually. Um, I love it. I've watched the Hunt for the Skinwalker documentary. Mm-hmm. I have not read Colmes and George's original novel that obviously we're adapting into a graphic novel. Um, but I have also been watching The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch on Hulu whenever new seasons of that drop, and it's dude it's seriously wild dude. it's so crazy like it's, it's like real life x-files and fringe like uh, yeah it freaks me out but i love but i love the real paranormal stuff and like listen there's some of those like paranormal paranormal ghost shows that are like clearly not nothing really happens it's not that exciting they just trying to make you excited but that is not skinwalker skinwalker is crazy no well and i'm I am the world's biggest skeptic when it comes to paranormal stuff. I love it and I love consuming that kind of entertainment and reading those kinds of stories. But like in terms of like, you know, how much I buy into it, I'm very skeptical. But boy, it is hard to shake a stick at like at this point, almost four decades worth of research and like documented cases and case studies um, at Skinwalker Ranch in particular uh of like you know everyone every every everyone from like private researchers to the u.s government to you know really reputable people like saying like no there's stuff happening here and it's unexplainable and it's paranormal um it's crazy i love it i love it so much yeah because obviously if it's not obvious i definitely did a dual halloween costume as Mulder and scully once that's incredible and also makes makes a lot of sense (laughs) Um, yeah, so don't take our word for it. (laughs) Check out the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, there will also be a single issue series of this coming out in the direct market as well, outside of the boom direct reserve campaign Mm -hmm. for the hunt for the skinwalker graphic novel adaptation. And for those not in the know, the direct market is comic book shops. Just because we're sorry. Sometimes we use our internal publishing, uh, terminology so i just want to make sure that we don't make anyone feel uh left out absolutely that's another thing too if you have any questions about like the terminology or some insider baseball stuff uh feel free to shoot us questions over to the boom direct email and we're happy to answer and explain all that on the show and now let's jump into our next newest section because people finally are emailing us we got it covered where we answer your questions that you email us on the boom direct email wait 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 do you hear Mm -hmm. that Hold on. What does that sound? Oh, no. Are you doing a bit? Oh, dang. Yeah, I'm doing a bit. That's the sound for our new segment. <laughs> Me. Oh, no. Anthony's doing another bit. Just kidding. I like your bits. Sure. Listen, I don't do them for you. I, I do know them you for do. Me. And then I randomly sing on the show. Listen, <laughs> we are. We all, we all have our things. First up from Greg Babbling About Boom Katzman. Uh, he asks, nowadays, there are so many different comics to choose from and more publishers continue to pop up. 
In your opinion, what is it about Boom that makes it unique in the industry and helps the book stand apart in shops? That is a great question. Excellent question. It's funny, actually, because we kind of, well, not us, but Philip answers that on our last episode. Yeah, uh, go back and listen to episode two uh, to hear Philip's much more nuanced and uh, detailed detailed response (laughs) than what you're about to hear. But from my perspective, um, I think what makes Boom unique in the industry and in the direct market uh, and really helps our books kind of stand out is that our editorial team really takes time to think about what projects they want to bring in, what creators they want to bring in and do a really good job curating the line. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not just like, you know, a publishing line, but a publishing line that that spans across four very distinct imprints with four very different mission statements. Uh, So we can really serve a variety of readerships uh, from young adults to children to people who like licensed stuff to people who like create their own stuff to people who want more adult kind of stuff uh, and really make sure that they put the best creative teams possible together to serve those stories. Yeah. Uh, And that's a really unique thing Boom does in the market today that not a ton of other publishers do. No. Yeah. I mean, here at Boom Studios, we do it all. Um, But also that's because uh, of our, our, motto which is comics are for everyone so we make comics for everyone and that's really i think a lot of what we try to do is that our editorial team is phenomenal and they're so good at bringing in um one thing that does again consistently says part is they always really bring in just really really good stories it almost doesn't matter what the story is about or the genre or whatever because again there's a story for everybody but they really really bring in good stories with good creators that really touch on something. And I think that's also what really makes us stand apart. And again, we talk about this way more in our, in our episode, uh, interviewing Philip Sablik, um, where he talks about in much greater detail when we talk about other fun parts of that. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the main things is we really do have a great team that brings in more great teams. I, and I, I do think it's also worth shouting out our, um, direct market sales team and, mm-hmm. uh, and that they go above and beyond to position each series, each one shot, each book we put out yeah. uh, to have the best possible chance in the marketplace. Oh, um, yeah. They have a strategy for every every single one. Well, and, and it's not just that um, it's not just that, you know, it's them doing their jobs, which it is. But it's also like there's a <laughs> genuine passion there for the stories, you know, um, to yes. the point where we we mm-hmm. launched Boom Direct and kind of concurrently. Uh, well, Boom Direct is obviously more of a fan consumer facing show, uh, but our sales team launched what they call the pitch with Boom, which is a live stream show for retailers where retailers can yeah. tune in and our amazing sales team tells them why they should care about the books we're publishing, what makes our books special, and why they are personally excited about our books. Um, and you can't beat that passion. It's it's infectious. It really is. Yeah, that's like, because I'm on the sales team, obviously. Yeah, um, yes. And these are, these are my people. And also, I it's so true, I think. <laughs> so first, shout out to our direct market sales team, Roz, Greg, and Manny. Y'all are the best. You know, are amazing, but it's true. I think one of the things that does set us apart 
um, with our sales team is that we all get really excited about stuff. We're really passionate. And I did have a friend of mine recently tell me that he thinks that the reason I'm good at sales is because my excitement is contagious. Um, and I think that goes for Roz as well and the rest of our joint market sales team. Because let me tell you, me and Roz both get like really, really excited about stuff. In meetings when uh, her and I are excited, we both will bounce. We are we are those exciting excitement people. Um, but I think it's true. I think our passion throat shows through our excitement, through through how we sell our stuff and, and because we really believe in it. And that is that is different. That is different than a lot of ways that people sell things, especially comics. And, you know, it's worth mentioning, too, that for Boom's, you know, relatively short stint so far in the marketplace compared to other publishers with a much longer publishing history. Yeah. Every department from our editorial teams, from our sales teams, from our marketing teams, from our design teams have put everything into making sure that that logo, the exclamation point, the, <laughs> the boom black box means something to readers to the point where if you go see a boom comic on a shelf at your local comic sh- shop on new comic book day, you see that you see that boom box with the exclamation point. That means something to people. That means excellence. That means quality. That means, hey, even if I've never heard about this series before in my life, Boom's publishing it. That means it's probably worth reading. Do you know what it means? It means, boom, I'm excited. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's that. my that's that's my short answer. My short, long short answer. answer. For a yeah. longer answer, please watch episode two where we interview Philip Sablik. Um, uh, so for our next question, it comes from Jamie. Um, Jamie asks, any info on when the deluxe hardcover edition of Once in Future Volume 2, collecting issues 19 through 30, will be published and released? Um, so I definitely get to answer this question because I handle uh, most of the stuff that we do on the book market. That's a book. Um, and the answer is, it is in the works. It is coming, but we do not have a specific date yet. Um, our Once in Future uh, first book of the deluxe edition was wildly popular. It was beautiful. Uh, we were really, really happy with how it was received. Um, so obviously we're going to be continuing to do that. But yeah, we just don't have a specific release date yet, but it is coming. I will say um, for deluxe editions and stuff like that, we do push and announce that on our social media. So if you follow us on social, when we actually have a release date for that, uh, we will be probably announcing it there. And you know what? We'll probably make sure. Let's make sure that uh, it gets announced there since we're talking oh, yeah, about absolutely. it on the podcast. Um, absolutely. But again, please keep sending us questions. We love getting questions from from our listeners. It's exciting. It is. It is exciting. Um, and People we listen. Will- we will be sure to let everybody know ahead of time too who we are going to be speaking with next episode so you can get your questions in for them as well. So let's jump into our next section, which is our reading lists. So let's talk reading lists. What have you been reading, Anthony? Oh, man. Um, I'm still working my way through the Lord of the Rings. Same. As always. That's that's going to be just a solid answer for a couple of episodes, <laughs> I feel like. Um, but I've also uh, reread all of the Slaughterverse stuff um, up to where it is, um, plus a couple more because I get to have that privilege. Uh, just because it's it's a it's a cool series, um, 
it's a it's a really cool series and i have some friends of mine who just got into it so they they are reading it and being super excited about it so i just kind of wanted to read it along as well so we could all be in that same kind of headspace um i'm also i not also currently reading actually just finished rereading to kill a mockingbird and go set a watchman um to kill a mockingbird one of my favorite books of all time go set a watchman classic is an interesting thought experiment um I haven't read that one. It's pitch it, pitch it, pitch it. Man, it's I I have I have thoughts on that book, which I won't get into because this is not the platform to get into it. Um, but it is a sequel story to To Kill a Mockingbird, where Scout comes back home oh. and realizes that the lens in which she saw the events of To Kill a Mockingbird were through the lens of an idealistic little girl. And that reality Ooh. is often much more disappointing. Ooh. Oh, I love that. I love like the aftermath in like classic stories and fairy tales and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard for me to recommend. Uh, but if you are like a student of literature, if you just like seeing the process of how stories evolve and how you get from one one story to another – that's why mm-hmm. I would suggest reading it, but like outside of that, you could go ahead and not read it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Anyway, what have you been reading? That was such a good pitch. Uh, <laughs> I also, as we now know, um, have been reading Lord of the Rings, but for me, it's the first time. Um, I actually just finished Fellowship. So uh, nice. I'm about to hop into the next one. Uh, I also just finished the sequel to Cruel Prince by Holly Black, which is Wicked King, which, oh man, the twists and turns of her storytelling for the series is phenomenal. Um, high recommend if you like fantasy at all. Um, and then I actually just started a new book called The Madman's Daughter, uh, which is a retelling of H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau. And it's really good. It's all from basically his daughter's perspective. And at this point, uh, her father has left. He's left. She he she isn't aware. He is exactly. He's not around. And she's trying to survive on her own as like a teenager um, in this time. And has gone from basically having some type of like social standing in this community to now being someone who cleans the insane asylum. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah, which all of it tracks. Uh, it's really good, though. It's very well written, um, and I'm really digging that. I'm looking. That for, sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'm looking. I'm listening because I'm me, and I read a lot of books at once. I'm on the hunt for a uh, for another book. So, if anyone wants to suggest any great time travel sci-fi novels, I feel like I'm in the mood for that. Um, yeah. Um. Actually, I have one for you. <gasps> Three Days to Never by Tim Powers. Okay, I'm just writing that down. Excuse me. Can you hear yep. the rustle of it my is paper? a really fun Tim Powers. If you don't know, he writes a lot of uh, like historical fiction books where he'll take historical events and come up with like a cool supernatural sci-fi reason for those events happening. Oh my god, I love that! What? Um, and that's kind of his whole. Yeah, it, he's an incredible writer. Uh, Three Days to Never is his time travel story, and it is about a time machine invented by Nikola Tesla. Okay, I'm I'm all over that. I'm so all over that. 
Uh, and then I've also just been reading. I, I get stuff still in my pull at my local comic book shop. So I've been reading some other stuff that's been coming out. I'm very behind on that because obviously my since I do sales at Boom, my top priority is making sure I read all the Boom stuff so I can sell it or whatever. Um, but that also brings me to what should people add to their reading list of Boom titles? What do you think, Anthony? Um, I mean, definitely all the Slaughterverse stuff, uh, if you haven't yet, it is incredible horror, incredible action, and incredible character study. Um, also, just kind of because we just talked about Once in Future, we did just put out that really nice deluxe edition of Once in Future. Uh, it's a quick way to either experience that story for the first time or re-experience it mm-hmm. in an oversized kind of hardcover collection. Yeah. Um, we are also putting out the trade paperback version of our adaptation of Slaughterhouse Five, which is oh. one of the seminal pieces of fiction written by Kurt Vonnegut. And it's so good. The adaption is great. And like, listen, I don't love adaptions of classic books to graphic novel all the time. I will say I'm very picky with that. Um, this one, though. They, it's it's phenomenal. It, it's job. truly phenomenal. Um, that's I, I mean, the the boom adaptation is something I read even before I was working at Boom, and I was just like, oh, this is <laughs> this is exceptionally well done. And also, like, it's one that's big with um, libraries and schools. Like, mm-hmm. it's a bestseller for them. It's wonderful to see that. And like, mm-hmm. I know that obviously, like, education wise on the education market, they don't always like using graphic novels for stuff, but. They are for this. It's 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 a great one. Um, also, because we are back in Dune fever with the trailer <laughs> release a few weeks ago for Dune Part Two, uh, we have a bunch of collections either coming out or out for all of our Dune series we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current series that is to be collected is our House Harkonnen collection. Harkonnen. Um, Harkonnen. I've heard it both ways. I'm a um, Dune fan. I say her comment. Okay. <laughs> uh, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And then also, uh, we just, uh, speaking of Met Cadets, we talked about it earlier. Met Cadets mm. book one just dropped uh, end of May. And that one is basically the whole collection of everything that's been written for Met Cadets so far. So if you want to get a jump start before watching the series, go pick up a copy of Met Cadets book one. Um, also, which is by the amazing Greek pack, which we already talked about that super rad dude. Um, and then also Briar, Briar, which is one of my new favorite series that we've been doing that we talked about, I think last episode, um, is now collected. And that also dropped at the end of May, but to keep Heck going, yeah. sorry, I have even more listen. I'm, oh, okay. Now we're going to, now we're going to change, I think, to be more on genre topic because today sure. we are talking about another horror, another horror graphic novel. So definitely, I would say pick up the new Ark of House of Slaughter, um, which is part of the Something is Killing the Children universe, for those who don't know. Um, and House of Slaughter, uh, if you've read the first two arcs and the third arc, Jace is back. Uh, I love Jace. I love him so much. Um, written by Tate Bromble, who wrote the first arc with Aaron and Jace and their star-crossed lover's love story, which mm, I feel like, like Tate knows me and writes things for me sometimes because like listen he writes all of these men and all of his stuff that i just fall in love with like i love fall in love with all of his sexual men gray oh my god gray and behold behemoth i'm so in love with him i'm so in love with gray 
so in love with Jace, so in love with Aaron. Listen, I recommend. <laughs> also, uh, The Neighbors number four is hitting shelves. Um, if you like folk horror, definitely want to pick up. If you haven't, um, that was another new of my favorite, of my favorite boom series that's come out. I love it. I love all those. Yeah. Yeah. But now we should talk about stuff of nightmares. Let's do it. So this week we are talking to the one and only mm. R.L. Stein. I know. Oh, my God. Like, listen, I will say that <laughs> Anthony and I were both especially excited for this episode because R.L. Stein was just so... Um, he was such a pivotal literary figure in our childhoods, even though I'm <clears throat> older than Anthony. <laughs> We're not gonna... I, I definitely grew up reading Goosebumps and yeah. watching Goosebumps and reading Fear Street and then watching Fear Street as an adult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a very uh, surreal experience for me to get to talk to uh, R.L. Stein. And uh, Stuff of Nightmares is basically um, a modern retelling of the horror classic Frankenstein. Um, so some amazing comps to go with that is uh, if you haven't ever heard of Madam Frankenstein, that was a comic series by Jamius Rich, who you may know from Lady Killer and Megan Levins. Um, and it was, again, a retelling, but it was with like a woman as like the Frankenstein monster is in the 20s. So it's got a little bit of that like uh, Gatsby vibe in it. Really great series. Um, Love it. Also, the book I am reading, The Madman's Daughter, which is, again, a retelling of something classic. I love, like, retellings of classic stories and giving them a new twist is one of my favorite types of genres. So definitely, if you haven't also read the novel Circe, mm, also a great one. Uh, I'll, I'll say, talking about Tim Powers, um, he wrote a book called The Stress of Her Regard, which in Ooh. a roundabout way is a retelling of... Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein of kind of the Dracula vampire story. Um, And it is set in Victorian, Victorian England with Percy Shelley, Lord Byron and Mary Shelley all being main characters in that novel. Oh, that sounds amazing. It is very cool. Well, I'm a huge fan of the retelling of Frankenstein that that uh, R.L. Stein did, or as we call him on the show. When you hear the episode, or the episode we call him Bob, which is so, it feels so cool that we like get to call him Bob now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he's he's heavily influenced not just our generation, some generations before, even generations today. Kids today still read Goosebumps, so yeah, totally. Um, and we're here to. Like we mentioned, talk about his brand new book he just put out with us uh, with Boom Studios called Stuff of Nightmares. It is adult horror. It is not yes. for children. It is adult. It's making that very clear right now. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk to R.L. Stein. Yay. We have the pleasure of speaking with a man who has heavily influenced more than one generation of reader and horror fans, R.L. Stein. The monster you encounter isn't the one you thought it'd be. So you might be familiar with the classic tale of a mad scientist hell-bent on creating life. But what these two demented brothers have created is something else entirely. Uh, Get ready for a darker, more gruesome, and even more terrifying series for horror fans who are ready to face their fears in Stuff of Nightmares, which is the book we're talking about because it's out now. It's out now and we're very excited. 
No, before we go any further, I just I have to thank everybody because this week's um, and thanks to all the readers and everyone at Boom, because Stuff of Nightmares, which came out this week, is the number one graphic novel at Amazon. So that's a thrill. I'm so happy about that and so grateful to everyone. That is amazing. Oh, that makes me like really, really happy, too, because um, I so one thing that we all do, we all obviously have jobs we do here at Boom, as well as doing this podcast and the show. Um, and I am in sales and I'm the one who like goes and pitches the book to like the book market and the library market. And I will say I was very excited when I read this book. I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. So the fact that all of our awesome sales and marketing talent here at Boom, including Anthony and myself and, and our producer and everyone at Boom may help make that happen with your amazing story. It makes me really, really excited. Yeah, I'm yeah, so happy yeah. about that. It's a gruesome book, but uh, people seem to like that stuff. It is very gruesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. I, you know, I grew up as a huge Goosebumps fan as a, as a kid, like, that series absolutely colored the books I enjoyed reading as, a, as an adult. Um, and so getting to read stuff of nightmares as like growing up as a goosebump, I'm like, oh, this is very different. This is much more violent and brutal. Uh, yeah, um, no one no one ever dies in goosebumps. No. Nope. Even if they you're a ghost, even if you're a ghost, you died 100 years ago. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, I have. <laughs> well, I did. I did an early Goosebumps book called "The Girl Who Cried Monster." It's about a girl who thinks her librarian is a monster. He knows it. She's watching him in the stacks, and she knows he's a monster, but nobody believes her. And in the original version of this book, the librarian eats a kid, and oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And my wow. editor thought, maybe not. Maybe we shouldn't eat a kid in Goosebumps. So it's the only time I ever really had to change. What I did was I put a big bowl of live turtles on the librarian's desk. And every once in a while, he reaches over and he eats a live turtle instead of a kid, which is better, right? It's a I think I remember this one, actually. I feel like I read this. It, turtles are a lot crunchier. Sure. So it's better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's the only time we ever came close to <laughs> offing a kid in Goosebumps. So that was a conscious choice then on on your part to to make horror for kids, but not, you know, really have the mortality aspect of it be so. You know, I'm not really interested in terrifying kids. Right. <laughs> not really, but fair enough. Not really what I'm about. Fair fair enough. Um, well, that's a good way to dovetail into this question. How does it feel to be the horror master for middle grade and beyond? It's a good job. <laughs> Somebody has to scare them, right? Sure. <laughs> a very good job. And I always say I get I get like awards for scaring kids. Oh my gosh! It's pretty amazing, right? It it, it is. Um, you know, they pay me to scare kids. I never thought about it like that, but yes, <laughs> it's not quite true. But you know, to me, I see. To me, horror is funny. Horror makes me laugh. Sure. I never. Um, 
people come up to me and they say, uh, after I read your book, I had to leave all the lights on. I locked the doors. I couldn't sleep. I've never had that feeling. There's something missing in my brain, I think. I've never <laughs> had that. No, I there's never had that feeling of being scared after reading a book or while read or even at a scary movie. You know, wow. you watch, I'll be at a movie and the shark will come up and start chewing up the teenagers and chewing. And I'll be the one in the theater laughing. Now, I really want to see a horror movie with you in a theater. I know that sounds just like a really great experience. <laughs> no, no, I just I just horror makes me laugh. That's so fascinating. I don't think I've ever had someone who does horror, especially someone who is like you, who is famous for doing horror, be like, yeah, it's very humorous to me. Um, well, you know, that fascinates I me. I wasn't really, I'm not really into horror. Could have fooled me. A lot about what horror I've read lately. Or, <laughs> not really into it. I mean, see, I was always funny. I only cared about being funny. And I wrote um, uh, maybe a hundred joke books for kids. I was jovial Bob Stein. And I did a humor <laughs> magazine for kids called Bananas for 10 years. Oh, my gosh. I remember that magazine. Yeah. yeah. I, you remember I, uh, Dynamite magazine? Yeah. Yeah. That was my wife's magazine. She <gasps> did 100 issues of Dynamite. What? Big, oh, that's yeah, incredible. The biggest, biggest uh, kids magazine in the country at the time. It was huge. Her magazine was so big, they let me do one. <laughs> out of kindness <laughs> and I got to do bananas for a while I mean it's funny to this also also greatly segues into a question I wanted to ask you which is um, because you really have truly influenced multiple generations both of our generations both me and Anthony's generations for sure um, and I actually just found out when I was doing some research for this that you were the co-creator and head writer for the Nickelodeon children's series Eureka's Castle do you remember Eureka? Oh, Eureka's Castle. Yes. I watched that a lot. I loved it because it was very, it was very fantastical and it was very funny and silly and creative. And I loved it. That was my whole TV career. I was a head writer of, of Eureka. I would tell you something irrelevant. I was having lunch with a friend here in New York uh, last Friday and we're in this crowded restaurant and sitting across from me was Eureka. I hadn't, I hadn't seen her in 20 years. That's incredible. Cheryl, Cheryl, the actress who played Eureka. Yeah. She's working Sesame Street now. But oh, my goodness. There she was. Yeah. I hadn't seen her. Listen, Eureka, uh, Eureka's Castle was, we did four years. I did 100 episodes. And it was you, a lot like Sesame Street. The puppeteers were all trained by Jim Henson. It was right. a lot like Sesame Street, except we didn't teach them anything. No, it was just fun. Yeah, I think they lost a few IQ points each time. <laughs> no, uh -uh. I would I don't think they learned anything. I would argue against that because I think um, because I've always for my whole life have had kind of an overactive imagination. And I think that show really fed into that. It gave me more inspiration, more ideas. So, well, I'm no, sir, I'm not being totally serious, but uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. You remember Batley the Bat? Which one? Remember Batley on, on Eureka? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, he would fly into a room and crash and he'd get up and say, I meant to do that. Yes. I, st I stole that from my son. 
<laughs> my son mad who come running into a room and fall down. I meant to do that. <laughs> my son uh, is a music producer for Broadway musicals. And he, my That's son incredible. won a Tony Award last year. Wait, for which musical? For Moulin Rouge. Wow. Oh. The orchestration for Moulin Rouge. I just saw that when it was at the Pantages here in Los Angeles. It's dizzying, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it really son, is. My son and his partner picked out all the songs. Yeah, because they they updated the songs. When I saw it, I was like really impressed also, too, because it was a, it was I think they had like a Regina Spector song in there. And I was like, whoa, which made me happy. I loved it. I know he's my son actually has a career. He's working on the uh, Britney Spears musical which is opening on Broadway. I didn't even know about this. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Fairy tales set to her music. I don't know about that either. That's what he's working on right now. And he he also is music producer of Beetlejuice. That's cool. Okay, I also love that musical. Love Beetlejuice. Me too. And it's coming to the Pantages soon. Oh, nice. Nice. I need these shows to come up to Portland. (laughs) We'll get we'll get tickets. We'll talk later. We'll get tickets. We'll get tickets. You just come down here and we'll see it. We'll yeah, see it. for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, why were why are we talking about Matt? Because oh, it's about fun. Eureka. We're talking about Eureka. What happened was I I'm really proud of that show, but what happened was that horrible dinosaur puppet came along and just stole the audience. That purple dinosaur. <laughs> It was so awful, such a horrible puppet and horrible show. And the kids loved it. The two-year-olds went nuts for Barney. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, I didn't. I have to admit, I was a huge Barney and Friends fan. I loved dinosaurs. I wanted to be a paleontologist uh, when I was a kid, so I was all about Barney. I had one of my worst days at the L.A. Times Book Festival. So outdoors on the UCLA campus. And I followed Barney <laughs> and Barney's, you know, Barney's audience, they're all in strollers <laughs> and uh-huh. the two year olds and Barney gets them all whipped up. The kids are whipped up two year olds and are going nuts in their strollers. And then he, Barney goes off and he says, and now R.L. Stein. And I come out onto the stage and I see all the strollers turning around. They're all uh, turning around. They're all leaving. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> leaving, leaving all the Barney fans. It's a horrible day. Give them some time because my third grade teacher read Goosebumps out loud to us in class. So just a few more years and they'll get into you. Yeah, that's, that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Speaking of Goosebumps, let's let's talk about Fear Street and Goosebumps for a little bit. Um, Fear Street, obviously, uh, adapted into a three-part Netflix movie the past couple of years. Yeah, a slasher film. Yeah. So Couldn't where... that. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, people love to see teenagers get killed. Yeah. Love... It's, love... it's a time-honored tradition in horror is to watch a bunch of teenagers get killed on screen. Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah. I know. But uh, I'm hoping for a few more of those Fear Street movies on Netflix. <laughs> I I really enjoyed watching them. I, I thought they were great. Much more. Yeah. How how involved with the production of those movies were you? Because obviously it's it's adapting your work. Not at all. Okay. 
Fair enough. People always ask me about the Goosebumps movie, you know, where Jack Black played me. Yeah. 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 And they say, well, well, how much input did you have on that? I said, none. But I got lucky. Actually, here's what I did on the Goosebumps movie. I got them to take out two Stephen King jokes. Nice. <laughs> that was my entire input. Right. And I was lucky. Those movies, the two Goosebumps movies are really good. It, they are. They, they are. I mean, not, not that I have extensive interaction with a wide range of children at this point in my life but the the children i do interact with <laughs> love those goosebumps movies absolutely love them yeah yeah I'm, I'm very lucky jack black and i are like twins right oh exactly oh, absolutely. and people get us confused all the time yeah totally i get i totally see that yeah <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> we were trying to figure out who should play me in the goosebumps movie and then a whole bunch of people on twitter said well you should play yourself who knows you better than you? You should play yourself in the Goosebumps movie. And I went to my wife, Jane, and this is a brutal line, by the way. And I said, you know, a lot of people think I should play myself in the movie. And she said, you're too old to play yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Of course, it's true. How horrifying <laughs> is that? Right? I said, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you're, you're too old to be you. Talk about one what? sentence horror we stories. Are. We all are. Everyone I know is too old to be to be them. <laughs> Jack was great. He was a really he's a wonderful person. I love to hear that. Yeah, we had a lot of fun together. That's, I love that's that because then he's a good dad, too. Do you, do you still we keep in contact with him? Yeah, well, I, yeah, he actually did uh, the audio book for a picture book that I did with Mark. Oh, Preston. that's fun. He won an audio award for it. That's <laughs> so, incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he Wait, came which book? Um, which one was it? A Little Shop of Monsters. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. With uh, Mark Brown. Do you know Arthur the Aardvark? Yes. You were on that show. You were on that show, too. I mean, it was once, yeah. But Mark and I, we do picture books together. And uh, he's he's amazing, Mark. He's an incredible talent. We have a monster joke book coming out this summer, you know, for little kids called yeah. why, why Did the Monster Cross the Road? It's a really nice little book. That's to really bite, cute. Like someone on the other side. And um, I got a copy of it and I sat my grandkids down. But Dylan is nine and Mia is three. And I said, look, and I dedicated it to them. Said, look, my new picture book, Why Monster, and I, I sat them down. I read it to them. They didn't crack a smile. <gasps> sat there. I think just to be mean. I think. <laughs> I said, no, they didn't smile. And I said, you know, what's the monster's favorite school lunch? The teacher. <laughs> I think that's funny. Thank you, yeah. Dylan. I don't get it. I don't get it. I said, you're nine years old. What do you mean? You don't get jokes? You're nine. It's horrible. Do they have any other feedback for you? No. You know, I, they're actually, <laughs> you know, my son's claim to fame, talking about him, was that he never read a Goosebumps book. <laughs> he never read one. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Rude. So rude. Where is that? Like a badge of honor, huh? Yeah. 
I think if you're an author, your kid's not going to read you. It's a normal, natural way to separate from yeah. your parent yeah. and make your parent nuts. Make him nuts. He used to. I knew um, Kurt Vonnegut's daughter. Oh, it's a huge goose. Lily Vonnegut. She was a huge Goosebumps fan. She was like 12, 13. She wouldn't read her father for anything. He was Kurt Vonnegut. She wouldn't read him. I and I I love his stuff. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, I got to know him a little bit. Thanks to Lily. I now want to find out if uh, Cormac McCarthy's children read any of Cormac McCarthy's books. <laughs> Blood Meridian, what's that? We're not going to read that. My son would uh, sell parts and goosebumps. He would come home. He'd say, Dad, you have to put James in the next one. You have to put Will in the next I think he, they paid him 10 bucks to be a what? character in Goosebumps. He wouldn't read it, but he was making money. Let's talk about your inspirations. Um, so I know that you said you read a lot of the old uh, EC comics and Tales from the Crypt, things like that, um, which was very influential. Yeah. And that was pre the whole Comics Code Authority. So what was it about those comics that drew you in when you were a kid? Well, they were gruesome, bloody, horrible. So one story I remember where this butcher runs out of meat. So he shoves someone through the meat grinder. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, they were really, you know, awful. And, yeah. you know, I'm 10, 11 years old and loved it. Just loved it. And the art was so wonderful. All these great artists who, you know, there's no one like them now. There's yeah, just no one like it's true. Them. They were incredible. And they all had funny twist endings. They were all funny. They all were kind of funny, actually. That is true. As like standalone stories, I can really see where like, that part of it like bled into goosebumps a lot because it really was like ironic, funny kind of twist endings based on yeah. like who they were yeah. as people throughout the story. Yeah. Right. Hmm. No, it's really true. Um, I wasn't allowed. I, one day I, um, I bought a couple of them and brought them home and my mom stopped me at the door. She said, you can't have these. Sorry. You can't bring these in the house. And I said, why? What do you mean? She said, it's trash. That's trash. You can't have it. Ugh. So my barber shop. this is actually a true story. A lot of them aren't, but this is a true story. Uh, my barber shop had a big stack of these comics, right? And I used to go every Saturday morning and get a haircut so I could read the the EC comic. <laughs> I had less hair then than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you were you were a kid at like a really kind of pivotal time in comics history because in the fifties. Yeah, because Seduction of the Innocent came out in nineteen fifty four, uh, which I basically know. I was a kid. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about that. I just knew that the horror comics weren't as good. Suddenly, <laughs> they weren't as good, and they changed the titles. You know, they became crime suspense stories. Science yeah. Sure, right. well, that's all I knew, but I didn't know what was going on or why. Yeah, because I was, was like to change like tales of suspense and stuff like that. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they weren't as horrifying. They weren't. And, as and what do you think? Because uh, I, I wonder with your mother deciding that it was trash, was that. Had she let you read them before and she or she just didn't know? I don't know. I always wonder because so it was. Know. She didn't know, yeah, because I feel like it was obviously the parents who read the whole seduction of the innocent thing that came out and decided that comics were bad and would rot your brain, which is so silly today since we use comics for education. But um, 
But yeah, well, so it, they just no, changed it. But you have to, there are many, many people who hate kids. And, <laughs> and one, two, it's true. No, this is true. And who want to take away anything kids love. If you really love, if kids love something, there are all these people who want to take them away. Look at all the people who want to take away kids' video games. Yeah. That's, those are just people who hate kids. They're jealous of them. They hate them. Look at people who, you know, object to their music. I mean, I, I was around 56 when Elvis Presley came out, you know, and we all loved him. We loved it. Mm -hmm. Everyone was said, you know, get rid of him. He's terrible. Break all the records. These people just hate kids. I never thought about that way. Yeah. No, any big fan. You know, if, if kids love horror comics, you got to get rid of them. Yeah, because I mean, there. I don't know if you ever witnessed any of the huge mass comic book burnings, but that was happening when you were a kid. No, not just because not some before. person wrote a pamphlet saying that they were bad. Yeah, but I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know this stuff. No. No, a lot of a lot of things like prejudice and all these types of things. I think that we try to like shield kids from are are things that they're taught by adults. So let kids yeah. let kids be kids. I think too, oh, yeah. it's just like as as a kid, you're just not like cognizant of just not even like aside from like people trying to shield you from that. You're just not cognizant of like what's happening. You just know what you like and you like what you like and. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to think past that, like, oh, why, why am I not, why am I suddenly not allowed to be ingesting this content? I have a book coming out, a novel, middle grade novel in October called Slime Doesn't Pay. <laughs> Good title, right? Great title. It's got a pretty gruesome cover. It's got a boy who's half boy, half monster on the cover with green, blue slime coming down his face. And a couple editors said to me, I, that's too scary for eight and nine year olds. That cover's too scary for them. So of course I showed it to Dylan, who's nine, right? And you know what he said, not scary enough. Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> not yeah. funny enough, not scary enough. Is this too scary? Not scary enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I mean, I also love kids and their transparency and honesty. <laughs> I, you know, I was just gonna say my my partner's nine year old is very very blunt with uh, mm -hmm. with her opinions, uh, and similarly is just completely unimpressed with what I do as a career, uh, despite <laughs> you know despite her reading Goosebumps, despite her loving the Goosebumps movie, despite her loving Lumberjanes, which is another series we publish here at at Boom. It's just like, oh, you know, I, I work with all these people. Like, I know these people. Like, I, you know, this is part of my job. And she's just like, so? I'm like, cool. This <laughs> great conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for just bringing me back down to earth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, Bob, uh, yeah. you have, like, we've been talking about your new book uh, coming out here at Boom With Us called Stuff of Nightmares which is a retelling of the horror classic Frankenstein and is your first, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's your first content directed specifically at adults. Yes, it is. Um, so where well, I, you know, I've done adult novels. But right, it's right. the first comic book series I did for adults. Why the change in audience? Well, I so many, you know, look, let's say you 92 when Goosebumps started, Right. Let's say you were 10 years old when Goosebumps started. How old would you be today? 
Uh, not 12. No. Yeah. I mean, we are that demographic who read it. So I love this. In, in your 30s, <laughs> in, your, in your in your mid 30s. You're pretty young, too. I mean, I have older readers than you. Sure. I had older readers. Fear Street started in 89. If you were 10 and 89, you'd be dead today. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's why I have dead readers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame, but yeah. no, I, they, they grew up. They grew up. I, now it's worked out for comic books. As I say, I'm so thrilled that stuff of nightmares is doing so well, but I, you know, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter all the time. And people say, uh, why don't you write a book for us? We loved you when we were kids. Now we're grown up. Why don't you write an adult horror novel? So I listened to them and I did. Aww. And, I wrote this book, Red Rain, for adult horror. Where'd they go? They all disappeared. <laughs> it was a horrible flop. This call to action, everybody, go read uh, Bob's adult novel. Go check it out. They don't want it. Well, now, we, now me and Anthony have to read it. So now we have to find a copy, and we both need to read it, Anthony. Yeah. Well, so... Um, so anyway, I'm thrilled about Stuff of Nightmares. And it was fun, you know, being a, a unleashed, as it were, to to write adults and to be more violent. Yeah, I, you want the honest truth? Yes. I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for the Fear Street movies. Really? Yeah, the Fear Street movies were, you know, I've never done anything R-rated before. Mm -hmm. Even my life isn't R-rated. <laughs> never had nothing R-rated, and then here are these three Fear Street movies come on Netflix, and they're slashered. You know, twenty kids getting slashed, and it's you know brutal R-rated films, and they were all number one on Netflix. Yeah, and I thought, oh man, am I in trouble? I'm going to hear from parents. I'm going to hear a complaint. Not one, <laughs> not a single. Com no one thought anything of it. This loved them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a big they were a hit. Yeah. Um, so after that, I thought, well, I can loosen up a bit. Obviously, I'm not going to get in big trouble if I do something for grownups. Right. With with uh, some nightmares in particular, why what drew you to the Frankenstein story? Well, it's a, it was an obvious start. I mean, it started with Frankenstein. It went pretty far afield. Sure. Pretty it far does. Away. The original idea was to take classic horror films and do my versions of them. Sure. But it, the story, you know, ran away with itself. Stories tend to do way. that. Yeah. God, weird. <laughs> I just finished the next one. We have one coming out next summer or next fall. <sighs> I just finished it. Ooh, teasing some new stuff. Yeah, longer. It's a 48-page one. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's called Into the Murderverse. I I love that. You are great at titles. Can I just say you have... Thank you. That's my only... That, that's my main talent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> my main talent is, to, is titles. And every book I do starts with the title. I was about to ask that. So you do the title first and then you write a story for it. Then I, then I get an idea from the title. Sometimes I'll have an idea and I can't think of a good title. I throw out the idea. 
<laughs> That's amazing. But you just have like a notebook or a notepad somewhere just filled no, with, no. with I do time one at a time. Okay. I do one at a time. <laughs> I can't, but now, you know, I've done every story a human can do, right? Sure. There's no nothing left. So I don't try to think of ideas now. I only think of titles. <laughs> That's all I do is think of titles. Fair enough. I use my best title, I think. Oh. I have this series of hardcover short story books. There's a new one coming out this summer. Ten, ten new short stories. And the book's called Stein Tinglers. That's really good. Oh. That is really good. That is so good. I think yeah. they bought it for the title. Yeah, that's that's... It's just really good branding. Like, I have to give it to you. It's just yes, all your yeah. titles are phenomenal branding opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> but, Bob, thank you so much uh, for your time today. This has just been an amazing pleasure talking comics and, and horror with you. Um, obviously, we now know about so many of your titles that are coming out. So that's really, really exciting. Um, and everyone at home, make sure you pick up Stuff of Nightmares, which is now out anywhere where books are sold. And also, specifically, we're having that at Costco, which is a huge, huge deal because Costco does not take in a lot of books. Yeah. Let's 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 keep the number one spot on Amazon going. Just just let's just keep it keep it going for another couple of weeks. Oh nice. Months. This was Months. really fun. I really enjoyed talking with you. This was great. We really enjoyed having you. This was like the best way to spend this morning. Yes. We'll, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Hey Tuesday. It'll be good. Love Sounds it. great. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bob. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on this really fun episode of Boom Direct. Don't forget to catch the full-length episodes uh, in podcast form anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, including the uncut full-length interview we just did with uh, renowned author R.L. Stein. And if you want to stay up to date on all the cool things we have coming down the pipeline for Boom Direct, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Smash that like button and follow our podcasts and follow Boom Studios on all social media. Remember, comics are for everyone. I'm Harley Selbaka. And I'm Anthony Morrow. And this is Boom Direct. Boom Direct. Oh, that was fast. Nailed it. Nailed it so good. That was beautiful. (laughs) 